on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. The NFL show, as always, is brought to you by Path of Purity. Make sure you check them out at pathofpurity.direct. You get a two-month supply of the of organic CBD. You stick it underneath your tongue. It goes into your system over a 12-hour time period, time released. Make sure you check them out at pathofpurity.direct. I'm your host for the NFL show, Mike Goodpasser. Right now, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. It's awesome to be on today. All right, Sam. See, Sam usually doesn't look this excited, so you can tell. <laughs> I am. Hey, I'm that. very excited. All right, and we have one of the most legendary Pittsburgh Steelers. Won a national championship at the University of Notre Dame in 1966. Won four Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Help me welcome to the show, Rocky Blyer. How you doing, Rocky? Yeah, I'm fine, guys. Thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. It's great. All right, and we're going to let Sam ask the first question. It's <laughs> because he's nervous and he's expecting me to ask the first question. Yeah, you know what? You hit the nail right in the head, right in the nail right in the head there, Mike. But obviously, Rocky, we have you on here leading up to the Super Bowl matchup between Tampa Bay and Kansas City. You won quite a few Super Bowls during your time in the NFL. Uh, people react a little differently to experiencing those rewarding moments, but what was generally your response to winning the Super Bowl? Was there any kind of like personal way you celebrated winning? Oh, you know, I mean, winning Super Bowls, is that what, you, what was the question? In any way that we had it, or right, you know? And so usually, I mean, usually it, it, it was, I can remember, I can remember the first one, um, we had, a, the team had a party afterwards, and so that was, uh, um, that was a that was a, a, a big thing, uh, and and after every Super Bowl there uh, that we had won, there was a, a team gathering. You know, so you could have family come, and they um, you know would have uh, food and so on after the game, and uh, keep everybody together. So um, that was it. A couple times I went out skiing after <laughs> after after the after the uh, after the Super Bowl and. Uh, uh, took my family out, and so, uh, but um, but that was about it. You know, nothing uh, nothing more exciting than that. Well, in the first Super Bowl win, the first one's always the most special. But when you've got your owner Art Rooney, who everybody loved, gets to finally win a Super Bowl after forty or fifty years, people forget <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those first forty or so years, I don't even know if they ever made the playoffs. So it had to make it even more special to be able to give that to him. Oh, very much so. So you and you're right. I mean, for the first forty years of uh, their history, prior to that to that game, they were the losingest team in the National Football League, um, and uh, uh, and so it was a great um, it, it, it was it, it was a great tribute to Mr. Rooney by uh, just football fans specifically, and then by the league and 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 the owners because of all the time that he had spent. Uh, within the league and being one of the uh, uh, you know early members that they got the team in '33, um, and so uh, and, and and helped it grow to where it is today. So there there was a, a lot of pleasure I think uh, by uh, by everybody in the NFL when uh, that had taken place, and uh, so it was great to be able to see him get the trophy in the locker room uh, and on that presentation, and uh, uh, and so it was well deserved. Right, Sam. Yeah, is there? Hey, one second. I was going to ask. You know, you won four Super Bowls, obviously between 1974 and 1979, with the last one coming in that 79 season. But was there ever a season where you felt like in between there, Pittsburgh should have won but didn't? Was there ever a Super Bowl or a year that you felt got away from the team? 
Well, you know, I I don't know. I mean, they talk about seventy six specifically. They the fans, uh, Steeler. Uh, uh, I mean, football fans, but Steeler fans uh, specifically talk about nineteen seventy six. Nineteen seventy six um, was a team uh, was was a, a, it was an unusual season. We lost four out of our first five games in nineteen seventy six. When you're playing fourteen games, all of a sudden. You can find yourself behind the eight ball very quickly. Um, in the remaining nine games, and this is where the team turns, uh, the defense came alive. We shut out five of those opponents, only allowed 23 points scored, minus yards rushing uh, in those nine games. The interesting dynamics possibly that helped create that uh, season um, was in uh, 1976 against Cleveland, um, a, a, a sack by uh, Joe Turkey Jones uh, that Powell drove Bradshaw into the turf, leaving him flapping like a fish out of water uh, as they carted his body um, off the field. Backup quarterback we had was a young rookie by the name of Mike Krusha. Um, and then all of a sudden he had to take over the reins. And in so doing, we had to simplify, obviously, the, 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 um, uh, the offense. And so we became a, a, a running team, control ball. In those nine games, he only threw the ball 17 times in nine games. I mean, Quarterbacks might throw it 17 times in a quarter, I mean, today, but uh, 17 times in that the remaining part of the season. But because of the defense, it was three and out, three and out, three and out. Offensively, we controlled the ball. We ran. We were, you know, they, they picked up the, uh, uh, the, the, the challenge, that offensive line. And in so doing, both Franco and I gained 1,000 yards rushing in one season uh, in 1976. And we get to the playoffs. And we were playing Baltimore in uh, in Baltimore, playing the Colts, uh, and um, uh, and we beat them. I mean, we beat them uh, handedly in that game to kick us off to the championship game the following week. But in that game, Franco got hurt uh, with his, with bruised ribs, couldn't breathe, and I got a turf toe um, in a tackle, and so. It, it didn't get any better for the week. And so both of us were out of the game against uh, the Oakland Raiders. And we went out to the West Coast. And um, ultimately, we lost that game because of, uh, of uh, not having a full team. Yeah, yeah. That's our excuse anyway. But anyway, so that, that but that was it. But that was a, um, uh, and, and the Oakland Raiders had a great team. And it wasn't as if it was going to be an easy win. Uh, they had a great team going uh, going into that championship game, um, but people like the point to say what that team had accomplished, what the defense had done, what the offense had done, and had that momentum going to the playoffs is that then we should have gone, been able to go back, you know, and defend the the uh, Super Bowl title and possibly win it that year. Yeah, but I think it shows how great that team was that you lose Terry Bradshaw. And you still just fall one game short of the Super Bowl. Now, Bradshaw did play the playoff games, but the game in Baltimore, that Colts team with Burt Jones, who I think is one of the underrated quarterbacks of all time because he got hurt a year or so after that, was never the same. But that was a great team. And the Oakland Raiders were 13-1 and that year. 
And the New England Patriots were also a great football team that year. They lost a controversial game to the Raiders in the playoffs, but that was a great season. But as a Bengal fan, I just remember the snow game. Booby Clark fumbled the ball when the Bengals were up three to nothing and could have won the division. <laughs> the snow game. You know, I got to tell you about the snow game in Cincinnati. Wow. What a hey, game. It's, it's the first game I ever went to. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yes. So, you know, it, uh, Cincinnati Stadium was much like Three River Stadium. Um, and uh, they had 20 yard uh, tarps that covered the field um, rather than big full tarps at the time. And so, much like at Three Rivers, it happened there, over there. Storm came in. Wind was uh, taking place. Blew off the, the the tarps. The field was frozen underneath, and uh, uh, and so uh, and so they had put uh, antifreeze on the the turf to try to give it better footing and 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 and, and soften the, the the we well we didn't know that at the time, but um, <laughs> you know. Oh, that that game, that game, it was, I can remember we came out of that, we came, we came out of the end zone in that game to onto the field and the uh, Bengals benches on the right-hand side and the Steelers benches on the left-hand side. And so we usually, uh, by league ruling, would, uh, uh, would warm up at the far end of the team uh, on the field. And so the Bengals are down at the far end of the, warming up in our territory. And the sun was just coming up over, you know, and shining down on that side of the of, of the field at that moment in time. And so, um, you know, and Chuck uh, assessed the situation, and all of a sudden he goes, "Oops, let's go down," you know. And so we go down. Now there's confrontation between the two coaches about who's got what, so on and so on, you know. And um, so that's <laughs> that started the game. There were some words said. Uh, there that I cannot repeat on this broadcast uh, between the two head coaches and assistant coaches, and this fight almost ensued at the beginning of that game. Well, in um, and and so because the antifreeze, all of a sudden things get slick. You know, we had gloves; it was cold. You couldn't hang onto the ball. Um, and um, uh, anyway, so what happens is that when you don't have a whole lot of talent, like me, and you're not fast like me, all of a sudden, our running game took off. So Sam Davis, who was our guard, and myself, I gained 136 yards in that game and made the cover of Sports Illustrated in that snow game, only because of the fact that Everybody else was slipping. Everybody else thought they had speed. They were running by, couldn't stop quick enough to make tackles or whatever it is. And so Sam and I just plugged along, moving very steadily throughout the, that game. And uh, ultimately, we, we we finally won that game. But that was I remember that game was a cold. It was a cold game and snowy and uh, and uh, uh, but anyway, so. All right, so Tom Brady's playing the Super Bowl this coming weekend, but Bill Belichick isn't. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady obviously are known as one of the best quarterback coach duos of all time. Belichick is usually very stoic, but sometimes he gets a little more emotional after winning a Super Bowl. What was Chuck Knoll like after winning Super Bowls? Was it ever any different than what he was beforehand or what he was during the regular season? No, no. 
He was the same. No, he didn't change. He, it, you know, he was the same. He was the same. And, uh, you know, Chuck was very, Chuck was not a rah-rah kind of guy. He was not an emotional kind of guy. He was just, you know, very matter-of-fact professor-like, um, teacher-like, you know. And so we, you know, we won the game. Um, you know, his, uh, his post-game speech wasn't any different than any other post-game speech. You know, along the way, we did a good job. You know, everybody uh, uh, did the did, did what was expected. You know, so on and so on. And um, and he'd come around and he'd shake everybody's hands, and that basically was it. But this was, and this kind of puts it in perspective uh, that that uh, uh, is that Marianne, Marianne, his wife, uh, told the story it was after Super Bowl nine, and so um, so. Uh, so we got the we got the press conference after you know after the Super Bowl he's tied up and everything else. Uh, all the family went back to the hotel to be able to change before we went to, to the big party that we would have. And Marianne was uh, very nervous. I mean, her husband's head coach, you know, the first time that the Steelers had ever won a Super Bowl, you know, and so she was waiting, anticipating for him to come back into the hotel room. Uh, she didn't know, you know, she didn't know what to do, what to say. I mean, about Chuck and. Um, so all of a sudden he, the key goes into the lock and she hears the door open up and, uh, you know, she, she stands up and, and, and he walks in and she, she walks towards him and he walks towards her and he didn't, she's going to go embrace him. And he goes, well, he goes, well, shakes hand. There we go. Well, we did it. <laughs> and that was <laughs> A big hug wasn't <laughs> so that was kind of Chuck's Chuck's foray, I suppose, or his demeanor. So yeah, there wasn't a, a big deal about Chuck. All right, so Sam brought up Tom Brady. There's a lot of goat talk, and it seems they're really intensified over the past ten years, especially with regards to Tom Brady. In your opinion, is Brady the goat, or is it even fair to be having these kind of discussions because the game's so different than what it used to be? Well, we did. I mean, the game really is different than 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 it used yeah, to be. Turkey Jones didn't get a three hundred thousand dollar fine for that hit on Bradshaw. Did <laughs> no, not at all. Was it a fifteen yard penalty, and they told him not to do it again? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Roughing the passer, that was it. <laughs> you know, and so the game. Yeah, obviously, obviously, as we see, the game has changed. Uh, uh, Rules have changed uh, in 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 that game. You know, for instance, and, I, and I'll just put this aside, and I'll tell you one of the reasons uh, why. But you know, so we, in our case, in our case, we won four Super Bowls in six years, and the reason that we did that was because of the fact we have, I think, twenty three players or twenty four players that have four Super Bowl rings. Twenty four players that were in that were there for that six year period of time. That wouldn't happen today, you know. I mean, be free agency, people would be moving here or there, trades would be taking place, and so that's why that you don't see as well um, the, the the dynamics that that take place. If you look at the Patriots over that period of time, you know, and the success that they had, they pretty much stayed together and. And Belichick was able to find people who and and make the right move at the right time for people to leave and or um, trade uh, and then find somebody to fit their 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 uh, their role just as well. So he kind of really had continuity in that you know in that leadership. 
Um, but anyway, so going to coming into this game, um, you know, we, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you got a, uh, quarterback that has a whole lot of experience, a lot of faith. It's in good shape. It's not hurt. Uh, doesn't have a bad arm, you know, is not limping around. Um, uh, can it make a difference? Has got an offense that is able to protect him, or at least what I've seen so far. But also, I think that he has more import in his selection of what he wants to get done and how to do it than he had uh, with the Patriots. And I think that possibly is a big difference in in being able to lead this team um, to you know, whatever results they get. But um, I think that uh, it, I think this game basically will be. I, I'm really looking forward to it. In my estimation, it'll be one of those games that uh, it'll be the great catch uh, and or the big mistake, a fumble that you didn't expect might happen to be able to turn this uh, the, the tide one way or the other. Um, and I, I think they're, they're, they're relatively, in my mind anyway, uh, pretty even um, uh, along the boards as far as talent is concerned. Yeah, and we talk about quarterbacks. The guy that I think gets underrated all the time is Terry Bradshaw. He won four Super Bowls, and I don't think people realize that he threw a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter of every one of those games, and those were against great defenses. You had the Vikings. You had the Cowboys. You had you had the Cowboys twice, actually, and then you had a really good Rams defense in 1979 where right. you guys had to come from behind in the fourth quarter to win. Do you think a lot of times it's just because of the NFL pregame show and he's on that and he just looks goofy and people just don't <laughs> think he's serious? That's right. You know, he's, he, he's been goofy since he came here, you know. And uh, so, you know, so just to put it into perspective uh, for your viewers and listeners out there is that, you know, Terry was the number one pick uh, coming to the Steelers back in 1960, uh, 1970 um, and was then kind of heralded as the – you know the savior of the Steelers uh, as we're moving into a, 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 another decade. Um, he had everything going for him except that he was from Louisiana. <laughs> Good old boy, drawl, you know, and just had that little Southern accent. It comes across as not being real smart, and uh, uh, and unfortunately, you know, then he was kind of like labeled. Um, and along the line, when you're on the spotlight and, uh, it, it, and you make mistakes, you know, all of a sudden those mistakes stick with you because people, you know, identify with oh, a mistake you made here, this or a bad call here or drop ball out of your hands. And why did that happen or whatever it might be? And so he had to live through that period of time. And, and I also just from and I think this becomes very important because it's how you perceive how you perceive a person without even having to know them or who they are. For instance, if I should say Roger Staubach, in your mind, automatically, you have an image, whatever that image is. If I should say Terry Bradshaw, it's not the same image as Roger Staubach. And so... Uh, you you've created another image, and so that it 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 it, it uh, he reinforces it only because of you know he tells good stories, but you know he's he's he's, he's kind of goofy at times, or we may perceive him as being goofy. Um, he's uh, he got opinions, and so he's not afraid to tell them. He's on television, you know, and he's still got that good old boy. Now he's put a couple pounds on, lost his hair, 
Um, you know, so. he never had his hair, did he, Rocky? Oh, that's right. Not long. <laughs> he was born bald and he stayed bald. <laughs> and so, but, you know, as uh, we like to say, all the way to the bank, you know, he's laughing. And, but he's really good. But he's, but he's, but he's, but he's really, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this because I've said this in the past. We would not have won those four Super Bowls if we did not have Bradshaw. And I mean that in all honesty. Uh, he had a sense of winning. He had a sense of being able to make things happen. And uh, he continues to make things happen <laughs> when he's on television or, you know, in his, in his, uh, in his show. So anyway, that's, that's what he is. You and a lot of great teammates over the years, but a couple of them are in the Hall of Fame that maybe deserve consideration. What do you think about guys like Elsie and Greenwood or maybe even Andy Russell not being in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> that's a say no, this man's done his uh, his homework there. <laughs> you know, and so that's always you yeah, know we that's talk about it all the time with both of them. I mean, <laughs> because good. I got to interview Andy Russell a couple of years. Andy Russell was a great player, and Elsie Greenwood is a guy that really, until five or six years ago, I just assumed was in the Hall of Fame. That's right. You know, and unfortunately, and what happens, no, Andy, Andy, more than anybody else, probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that he retired. So he just retired maybe at the wrong time. I mean, it was at the end of his career. I understand that. Um, could he have played a couple of more years? Yeah, probably hang on. So he retired after the uh, uh, Super Bowl 10. Uh, and then all of a sudden we have, uh, you know, the, the next uh, series of Super Bowls coming on. Um, and that should be enough because I'm sure there are people in the Hall of Fame. But then it, then all of a sudden it started to get hot. So then we as, we as players, you know, or members of the team, you know, started to become eligible for, you know, their uh, their Hall of Fame. And so then, we, so we got 10 guys in the Hall of Fame. And even if we were to bring it up, you know, to get Andy in, and Andy, well, you know, people forget of what he had accomplished, what he's done. He doesn't have a, a, a big advocate, you know, pushing him, pushing him to get, to get it. Or, but all his statistics and everything that he has uh, uh, worked for, really designates him as being in the Hall of Fame. And so, um, I mean, he was an all-pro linebacker <laughs> before Chuck got there. He was an all-pro linebacker in years of uh, when we won two games, like my rookie year, he became all-pro linebacker. So um, he does have the credentials. He just didn't have the push or the backing um, by the right people to, to, to get him up. And LC is the same way. You know, I mean, LC um, – uh, made a big impact as a as a defensive end, and there you know there's and there's a lot of guys that that that, that. And LC was one that as well should be a, uh, at least considered uh, being in that Hall of Fame. Um, but there are a lot of people on that list that uh, that uh, should be Hall of Famers that aren't. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think they should do about the old-timer selection? Because now you got a lot of guys voting for it that haven't even heard of these guys. And I've interviewed a lot of them before. Guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, Kenny Anderson, Ken right. Riley. How about a guy like Eddie Metter? You remember Eddie with the Rams? He still holds six Rams records to this day. <clears throat> Don't you think maybe more than one or two of these guys should be let in every year? I, you know, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I agree. And, you know, so it's like, 
but it's trying to find that advocate, you know, to be able to push those uh, those players into the into the light. And I don't, you know, so I don't know whether you need to come up with some criteria for um, uh, for older players in in this regards. You know, where you go, okay, fine, if they've you know been all pro for five years or you know a minimum of you know need to be able to establish themselves the records that they hold impact that they have but you're right people forget people forget because there's much going on and you know and time moves on and uh, about great players that had uh, played the you know played the game yeah i think you you mentioned there's actually a funny thing i just saw the other day tom flores i guess who coached probably <laughs> Of course, mostly in the 80s for the Raiders. There's actually a commercial out there now advocating for him to get in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of briefly mentioned in the commercial now. So you do need a little bit of that public attention, I think, if you want to build some momentum there for the Hall of Fame. But I think he's, he's someone who should be, and he's someone to keep an eye on here. Right. My next question for you is, we talked about that 76 season. That was the only year of your career you had over 200 carries, and you ran for over 1,000 yards. Do you wish, or at the time did you wish, you got more carries every year to potentially have more rushing yards, or was it more like we're just winning? So why did would it matter? No, I you know no. I think this, from my point of view, is that um, you know within the scheme of within the scheme of things, you, you have a responsibility. I mean, so you you have um, your role in which you play, and so then it's how you um, uh, and how you play that role. So for me, you know, for me. When I had a chance to play, it wasn't because I, you know, I, I didn't want to be like Frankel. I wasn't trying to compete with Frankel, you know. I mean, so you fit into a system, um, and uh, and part of that system was the ability to block or uh, being, being a blocking back for uh, Frankel, being able to catch the ball coming out of the uh, out of the backfield, and um, uh, and so you fit that, you know, you fit that role. For me specifically, it's the success of the team, the success of that era that elevated my position within the, the confines of what that team accomplished. And so I was, I was happy to play my role, be a part of it, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, get recognized for that contribution. Um, as all the other members on the team had as, as well. So, yeah, so no, it was never, I, I never felt like I was cheated or, you know, I felt like uh, that, that it was, that it was uh, you know, it, it was what it was. And so I was happy to, to be able to be there. Hey, Franco may have got more carries, but he didn't have a movie made about him. That's true. I, I, I tell him that too. <laughs> Sam has not seen that movie, by the way, Rocky. Sam's never seen any movie we've found out. That's He's true. never even seen like Hoosiers or The Godfather. <laughs> hey, Sam, how old are you? I'm 21 years old. Holy mackerel. Well, he's got to have the beard because if you shave the beard off, he looks like he's 12. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right. Mike's right about that. I told Mike before. He's correct. I need this. <laughs> All right. So let, let's look at the current Steelers. They started off the year 11 and 0, then it kind of right. went to heck, you know, whenever you lose to the Browns twice in back to back <laughs> weeks and you lose to the Bengals right before that, I right. told Sam that was going to happen, not the Bengal part. But when you look at this, Big Ben's 39 years old. Do you think they should keep Big Ben around or do you think that maybe it's time for Big Ben to kind of go away? <laughs> 
Well, it's getting to that point, you know, and I, and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, so I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's Ben's fault. And I don't know, and I should say, I don't know how much Ben has to uh, say so in the direction of what that, and where that offense um, was, was going. Now, given the fact that Ben had the elbow problem, given the fact that he is older, given the fact that he has been, uh, you know, beaten up throughout the years. All right, fine. Um, so, so we, they put an offense in that, uh, as everybody says, quick release, quick release, under two seconds, you know, the ball's gone, a lot of movement. Uh, and that was not necessarily Ben's game all those years before. You know, he'd sit in that pocket, sit in that pocket, sit in that pocket ward off uh, defenders and wait for the big play to happen or a broken play that ultimately would win this game or or, or, or put them ahead. So offensively, they they, they they changed the game and they got, you know, they got away from a running game um, um, because of it. Uh, and, um, and, and so what happens now? They got rid of the offensive, uh, the uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, got rid of the offensive line coach. They got rid of the secondary coach. They made some changes there, which I don't necessarily believe in, but they made those changes. Um, so what are you going to do with Ben? Well, they will probably hang. They'll probably have Ben um, one more year. I mean, they'll probably keep Ben up to the end of his contract, you know, and uh, because they don't have anybody coming up. My opinion in underneath they give them um, uh, a fighting chance. I mean, nobody's really shown proof what can happen. Even you know they made a trade recently, um, but that doesn't solve the problems. And so um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, with the with the offense, offensive line. You know what? And I should say this: what got them off to an eleven and zero start this year specifically? Under the uh, pandemic, under the restrictions, under the amount of time that they they practice, uh, didn't practice, the unknown of when they're going to play, how many exhibition games, you know, is that they had a veteran team to begin with, and so because of that, you could rely on their experience in the past to get you through. Um, and basically, that's what happened defensively over the last several years. They reinforced their secondary, which was a weakness. They got linebackers that are starting to play and come up to the potential. So defensively, they were they were playing well. Um, and then, uh, as I like to say, is that the season is in you know four quarters, and the first four games uh, become very important uh, because usually they are like exhibition games. You know, I mean the starting the starting. The, the starting uh, offense and defense finally get to play together as a whole as you're going through all the draft choices and free agents beforehand to be able to make the team. So if you can come out of that like three and one, two and two at the best, maybe four and all, well, you got to step on everybody else. And then the second game, you finally get into the season, you're starting to settle uh, in that. If you go 500 there, well, you're still at maybe six and two, you know, going into the latter part. Um, of that uh, of the season, what they never got, what they never did was they never um, they never got better. They just they they stayed at a plateau 
um, and everybody else started to get better. They started to have momentum. They started to uh, come together as a team and found their strengths and found their beliefs of what they could accomplish. And so you get to uh, 11 and 0 and everybody here. And, and I, I think I said they should have probably lost three or four of those games and they didn't. But now they're 11 and 0. You know, the drink and the Kool Aid or the fan base is, you know, 11 and 0, first time ever in the history, you know, the Steelers. And then they run into an upcoming Washington defense that all of a sudden stops them. And, um, and you go, oh, okay, fine. But now you're looking at that film. So, so all the following opponents are looking at the Washington film. Then um, they're looking at the Buffalo film. Then they're looking at, you know, everybody else and how we're fine. What, how do we take care of that quick passing? You know, uh, how do we, how do, how do, and anyway. So my opinion was just that. It was that, you know, they got to a point that, and everybody surpassed them because they had the momentum, they had a belief system, they were getting better, uh, and the Steelers just never got any better. Yeah, wouldn't you say, Rocky, that it's probably safe to say with Joe Burrow now on board, the Cincinnati Bengals are probably going to dominate the next 10 years. Oh, <laughs> could it could happen, you know. See, see Sam? It could. Now, see Sam bounced off. <laughs> All right, Rock. Will we will we look at the Super Bowl Fifty Five matchup? Great matchup. You've got you know Patrick Mahomes, the young gun, against Tom Brady. How do you look at this game? Who do you favor here, and why? Well, you know, oh golly. So I I, I look at I look at this game. I look at this game. As a, a really a good football, I look at it as, as a very good football. I'm looking forward to it without, you know, without uh, 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 without diagnosing all and everything on both sides, which I'm really not uh, informed to do. But as I view it, I, I look at what Brady has done, what he brings, um, the fact that. He is uh, now in a position to, you know, run his offense, call his plays, um, kind of be a coach there. Um, given the game that he had in the championship game, um, he came up with, you know, big plays to be able to do that. So he's got some momentum. He's got a team behind him. Um, then you got Kansas City, he's defending champions. And so, you know, he, he got Mahone. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they've played well. So I guess, you know, as I'm sitting here as a fan, and I'm really saying that as a fan, not as having any insight or knowledge into both teams very deeply, is that my heart is with the Patriot. I mean, with uh, with uh, Tampa and uh, and Tom Brady. Uh, I'd like to see that happen. But the rationale is that uh, it, 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 it looks like Kansas City it might have the the edge there when you look at uh, offensive defensive uh, what they have what they have accomplished. I think it'll be a I think it'll be a game of big plays. I think it'll be a, a, the 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 one big catch that may happen or the fumble that may take place that no one anticipates, um, uh, and uh, or the one mistake that somebody makes along the line, you know, you can't, you can't count on. I, I, I think they're pretty evenly matched. And so it's like, we'll see what happens. All right, Sam. 
Anything else for Rocky? Yeah. Uh, what should Pittsburgh address first this offseason? Because I think quarterback, you can't really do much with that because of the way the cap situation is. And Ben, I'm assuming would come, Ben's probably coming back for one more year, I think. Do you fix the offensive line of the running back the backfield first? Because the backfield, you're losing James Conner for agency. You've got offensive line wise, Marquise Patson might retire, and Alejandro Villanueva and Matt Filer are both, or Matt Filer are both free agents. So do you address the offensive line first, or is the backfield your priority? Which one would you go to first on that offense? Well, you know, it's going to be okay. Fine, it's uh, it's going to be. I think that I don't here. I've done. It's what's available in the draft. I mean, it's what at that time. Where are they? Who's you know who's available? If there is a running back that's available, I mean, if we, within their confines, that'll probably be who they take. You know, is a is a, a a running back. Now, that doesn't take anything away from their running game. I think that their running game was was okay. I mean, the year before it did you know fine. They sustained it. Offensive line and it just needed to be changed, or blocking schemes needed to be changed. You know, you can't. You know, you you got to teach be able. You got to teach run blocking. You got to teach run blocking. It's not the same as a two second drop back release. You know, where you just punch and drop back, trump punch and drop back. It's a whole different mentality. Um, and you need an offensive line coach to be able to do that and an offensive mindset. So um, I think they can get by with. Uh, their offensive line as it is um, as it is, even with the uh, young players who have uh, been in their backup role. Um, but in, unless there is some outstanding offensive lineman that happens to be available at that that time, then you'd probably have to have to pick them and have to take them. Um, but I think they're okay. They're, they'll 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 be okay um, in in their offensive line. So I would probably think of a running back all right sam anything else if lynn swan or john stallworth had gone out and danced on the logo on some other team in the middle of the field before the game to do a tiktok dance how would chuck <laughs> Noll have responded i wouldn't be i wouldn't worry about chuck no i would worry about jack lambert <laughs> and so and and joe green basically is that you know, one of the things, and and, and and as you can see, the game changed uh, because of it, is that I also think that um, peer leadership or peer pressure becomes so important in the, in the confines of, of having a successful team. You know, it's not the coach that yells and screams all the time. It's, you know, it's your fellow ball player. They'll bring you to task because of something stupid that you did uh, and or we don't do that uh, around you. So obviously the mindset has changed. I couldn't go back. I could never be a head coach. <laughs> you know, you ever think about, oh yeah, you know, maybe I could be a head coach. Uh, and, and you know, it would be like, okay, um, they would uh, they would probably lynch me only because you go back. You're you're an old guy. You know, you're an old you're old school. We can't have that today. So I mean, um, that. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think the only way you get a job now today, Rocky, is if you're like under 40 and you've met Sean McVay before. <laughs> That's right. That's good. That's how the Bengals pick their head coach. That's right. Uh, and, and that's uh, not working out real well. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I that's uh, Chuck. You know, Chuck would Chuck had a pretty you know he was going back in the 70s, so Chuck had a pretty good sense of what needed to be done. 
you know, and his 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 speech every you know year is that here's you know here's the, this is what our expectations are. You know, you're a professional football player. You know, and you know we have to set up a fine basis. You know, but but the point is, is that we don't want to find you. We don't. We, I don't want your money. Just do what you're supposed to do. So you know, we have a meeting. Be on time. That's it. Don't be late. Um, you know, know your assignments. Uh, basically, that's it. We got a curfew for a reason to get rest. You know, not to punish you. So don't don't stay out after curfew. Okay. And uh, so we had these guidelines, and uh, and uh, you know, and part of the guidelines um, is the expectation of being on the field. You know, having respect for you know one another and the opposing team, and um, and that was kind of an attitude, obviously at that at the time. We just we didn't we didn't do that. I can remember uh, a situation. We had a young rookie. Uh, <laughs> we had a young rookie on the team in an exhibition game, and he caught his first touchdown pass. And so he simply, you know, took the ball and did a little shuffle and busted it on the ground. And he came off the sidelines. And Joe Green was standing there. He goes, hey, Rook, you trying to embarrass me? No, Joe. What do you mean? Are you trying to embarrass me? I, I, Joe, I don't understand. He said, you know that little dance you just did out there? That embarrasses you. You're my teammate. That embarrasses me. We don't do that here. <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> end so. of the player's career or just the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> Not the end of, yeah, it probably was the end of his career. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rocky. Um, final question. I, I've talked to a lot of guys. I got a friend, Joe Kelly, played for the Bengals the Super Bowl 23. When you sit down Sunday and that game's getting ready to kick off, does it just kind of come to you how overwhelming that I won four of these? No, not really. I mean, I, in all honesty, I, I don't even think about that. I just, you know, I feel very grateful about being able to be in those Super Bowls, being at that time, you know, and uh, if I really get serious and you go, wow, you know, and if you look at your career and what happened and, and how did that happen and, you know, why you and, you know, and so if I look at it, I, you know, how can you be at, at a school at Notre Dame and then you win the national championship, you know, or in high school and then all of a sudden you win the state championship, you know, then the pros um, and, uh, you know, you get on a, a team uh, that wins four Bowls and you're a part of that. And so sometimes I just pinch myself in, in that regards. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm more, I'm more focused on what's happening today. Okay, guys, you know who's going to win this game, and it's, so I hope it's a good one. All right, tomorrow our guest is a guy who you took that Super Bowl ring from. Chuck Foreman will be on the show tomorrow oh, for the Minnesota great. Vikings. Yes. So we, we will have another All Pro running back tomorrow. Chuck Foreman. He played in three Super Bowls. Unfortunately for him, they didn't turn out as good as your four did. <laughs> That's right, they didn't. We'll say hi to Chuck. Oh, what a great player Chuck was. I yeah. definitely would. He already told me to tell you hi when I told him who was going to be oh, on okay. my day. So, well, that's great. Sam, great. any final words for Rocky? 
Oh, you're an absolute legend. I really appreciate you coming on the show and humoring me at the very start there where I was a little nervous. So thank you for coming <laughs> yeah, on. Sam's still yeah. nervous. He just giggled. Yeah, he's I'm excited. I'm happy. <laughs> that's right. That's great. 21 years old. Damn. Yeah, work. I mean, heck, if you got Jack Lambert's phone number, we can make him fall completely apart. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Okay. Tomorrow, Chuck Foreman, Rocky, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. It was All a right. pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, All Mike. right. We'll talk to you later, Rocky. Thanks, Sam. All right. All right. All right, guys. Tomorrow we'll have Chuck Foreman on. Are you all right, Sam? I'm fine. I'm still good. <laughs> That's the biggest smile I've ever seen on your face. Hey, no, that was awesome. I'm I'm incredibly grateful you were able to get him on the show. That was great. But all right. And if Steve Resley's gonna text me shortly asking why he couldn't be on the show, you got to be on the show with Rocky last time. All right. Tomorrow, Chuck Foreman. Thursday, we'll have all-pro kicker from the Kansas City Chiefs, Nick Lowry. Friday, we'll have our Pick'em show where we pick the games. Right now, it looks like Richard Smith from the KC Kingdom representing the Chiefs will be here. Steve Risley representing Imbeciles from Indianapolis. He will be here. Uh, of course, Sam and I will be here. We may add another guest or two also. I think Steve Rizzer may come on with us. That show may have to run a little bit later than 1 o'clock, Sam, if that's all right. So we'll keep everybody up to date there. Or we'll just do two shows that day, and I'll get another guest. So Yeah, no, everyone's fine. I'll be around. All right, guys. Remember to check out PathImpurity.direct for all your CBD needs. It's just a little tablet you put under your tongue. It dissolves, goes immediately into your bloodstream. Time releases over the next 12 hours. Organic. Can't say enough about it. Use it myself. My entire family does. Right now on PathImpurity.direct, you get a two-month supply for the price of one. You can follow Sam Teets at Sam Teets 33. You can follow me at The Grueling Truth. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, YouTube. Sign up on Rockfin for free to get all of our content also. So for now, until tomorrow, I'm Mike Goodpaster. He's Sam Teets. You've been watching and listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.